Daniel in the frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me today, and it's an honor to be here with you. Today's show is entitled, Mom, Am I Really a Girl? Why do you ask, sweetheart? Uh, I personally identify both as gender nonconforming and gender non-binary in that I do not feel just female or male, but I feel uh, a mix of of that within myself. To requote this individual, quote, I personally identify as both a gender nonconformist and a gender non-binary in that I do not feel just female or male, but I feel a mix of both within myself. I'm sure you recognize. As Americans, we are still at great liberty and personal freedom to feel and express ourselves in any manner we so desire, as long as our rights do not infringe upon the rights of other Americans. But what about this? Is this a bridge too far? As an assistant principal who identifies this way, uh, students come talk to me about being transgender all the time. Uh, And I didn't realize uh, that it would be an entry point to relationships with so many different students. Again, quote, As an assistant principal who identifies this way, students come and talk to me about being transgender all the time, and I didn't realize that it would be an entry point to relationships with so many different students." So this teacher, and an assistant principal in a Burlington, Vermont middle school, she was simply expressing her experiences as part of a school system-wide gender identity workshop for other teachers. Now, this clip of Nicole Ellis used to be on YouTube. That is, until the school took it down. Apparently, the feedback viewers were posting wasn't very favorable. Could you imagine a teacher, much less a middle school assistant principal, talking this way about heterosexuality? Oh, uh, Mr. Jones, what's it like being a monogamous, binary, male, cisgender male? Mr. Jones responds, I didn't realize that it would be an entry point to relationships with so many different students. Oh, by the way, Mr. Jones, we're having a workshop on gender identity for all of our staff next week. Would you be willing to to come and share your heterosexual discussions, the ones you've had with our students? Yes, go ahead and imagine that, Camilla. While you're so busy imagining the radical progressive left's social engineering agenda. I'm sure you're doing more than just imagining it. Go ahead and look and tell me if you can find a gender identity workshop, a lesson plan, a policy position that treats heterosexuality in the same positive light it bestows upon any group among the LGBTQ plus community. I double dare you. Now here's a newsflash. For parents who live in blue New Jersey, None of this is going to come as a surprise, nor should it come as a surprise to you. But for the rest of us, I found it it quite surprising. New Jersey's Department of Education has set a new educational standard to go into effect next year. Elementary schools will have to introduce the topic of, you guessed it, gender identity 
To who? That's the question. To first and second graders as part of their standard curriculum. Here's a sample lesson plan for first graders entitled Purple, Pink, and Blue. Quote, Gender identity is that feeling of knowing your gender. You might feel like you're a boy. You might feel like you're a girl. You might feel like you're a boy even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are girl parts. You might feel like a girl even if you have body parts that some people tell you are boy parts. And you might not feel like you're a boy or a girl, but you're a little of both. Wow, I mean wow. Can you see little Susie coming home and asking mommy, are my body parts girl parts or boy parts? Now, I'm not trying to get preachy, so bear with me. Give me just a little slack. As a lover of history, I've recently become enamored with reading the Old Testament. There are some truly amazing stories in in both the Old and New Testaments, especially with the new translations of the Bible. They've made it so much easier to read and understand. Any of you that read those new editions, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Page 1 of the Old Testament opens with, In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. Now, I mean to tell you that there are many times when I'm not sure it's day in America or whether it's quickly turning toward the darkness of night. Well, not literally, of course, but metaphorically. Ronald Reagan said, it's morning in America. But then again, Ron didn't have to wrestle with today's extreme wokeness. Now, among other topics I'd like to talk with you about today is Florida's new parental rights and education law. Oh, I have other topics I'm dying to address. But frankly, I could spend hours talking about my deep concerns about the joint battles going on every day between God-fearing parents and woke school boards, woke teachers and their woke teachers unions, woke progressive radicals, woke federal government agencies like the Department of Justice and the Department of Education, and woke corporations like Disney and Apple. But there's so little time and so much to pay attention to, even on the limited topic of grooming our most important citizens, those in pre-kindergarten through third grade. If you struggle with attention deficit disorder like I do, you, you can't get through a day without wanting to chase 50 different, seemingly critical stories. Now, when I find myself completely overwhelmed with information, I go to my number one life-saving coping behavior. I procrastinate. I'm the president of our local chapter of PA, I mean, also known as Procrastinators Anonymous. We hold weekly meetings at our local Starbucks. But those who finally show up are always very late. It's a chronic problem. But what do you do with so many topics in so little time? Now, I don't subscribe to reincarnation. However, if we could come back right back to where we left off just before passing away, well, I'd be willing to sign up for that plan because there is no way I'm going to get through all my heart's desires 
are those things that compel me to address in this particular lifetime, especially in today's domestic attacks on America's Judeo-Christian values. Perhaps that's why someone came up with the reincarnation idea to begin with. <laughs> Who knows? Have you ever felt that, that there's, there's so much more to do, but, but you just aren't going to get to it in this lifetime? I'm told we just have to learn to let it go and concentrate on the really important things in life. So much for that trite wisdom. How do you operationalize that? Family always comes up as one of those most critical priorities, as if saying family first solves the dilemma of how you go about ordering your life's family's priorities. Most especially in today's world of wokeism, even in the domain of family first priorities, there are priorities within priorities. For instance, my parents never had to worry that when I and my five siblings went to elementary school, that some teacher was, was trying to introduce us to the world of transgenderism or how many different combinations of sexual orientation were available in the woke world of sexual choice. Now, not to get too biblical about it, what's going on in today's politically twisted public education brings us back to some of those old stories in the Bible of Sodom and Gomorrah and, of course, Noah and the ark. Why did Noah build an ark other than God told him to do it? Because God was allegedly disgusted with humanity and decided to erase 99.9% of it with a 40-day and 40-night flood. Of course, that's just a story, or to some on the left, it's just another conspiracy. So before we, before we go any further, let me ask you, are you in your safe space? Do you have a safe space? Now, if you're a liberal Democrat, I, I know you have one. But then again, if you're a liberal, especially if you're a progressive Democrat, I doubt you're listening to me on the Frankly Daniel Show, although you should be. You could even learn a thing or two, perhaps. Nevertheless, if you are a Democrat and have a safe space but you're currently not there, please go there because my feelings are hurt and I want to share those feelings with you. But you need to be in your safe space first. On the other hand, the other right hand, if you're a conservative, you don't need a safe space. I doubt your feelings are overly sensitive and dainty. Now, you could also be displeased with what I'm going to share with you today, but you're likely to be moved to action rather than melt in a puddle of crocodile tears. The first thing I want to share with you are my feelings about school choice. Yes, school choice. Really? At a time like, like this, with war going on in Ukraine? I know everyone's talking about the god-awful war in Ukraine. Believe me, I could talk for 10 straight hours about the Russo-Ukrainian war and Joe Biden's repeated failures to lead. Just what is Joe Biden's foreign policy when it comes to world peace and supporting allies when a big bad bear like Russia comes to steal your country and murder your citizens? Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump had the same simple, memorable foreign policy when it came to world peace. It was a very simple formula to remember, one that even perhaps Joe Biden could probably remember. But then again, I wouldn't bet on it. It was three simple yet powerful words. 
peace through strength. Peace through strength. Very simple, very easy to remember. How the Biden administration has perverted this concept is unfathomable. Brain-addled Joe's policy appears to be peace through inflation, peace through energy and coming food insecurity, peace through open borders, peace through crime, peace through wokeness, peace through reverse racism, peace through promoting the LBGTQ plus community, peace through defense reductions, peace through weakness, and peace through cowardice. But I'm not going to say another word today about the Ukrainian war unless it's in my sleep. Why? Because we have a raging culture war going on right here in America, and it's a hideous culture war, the worst I've ever seen and experienced. The home front war I'm talking about is the one between parents and the radical progressive woke mob of sexual orientation and gender identity bullies, as school choice is part of that battle. Generally speaking, I support school choice. All parents should have a choice to send their children to a public school of their choice. And if there's not a public school that meets parents' needs, then private schools should be included as acceptable alternatives and paid for by the government. After all, we pay more in taxes per child than any other nation, with the exception of a few other small European nations with populations less than 2 million. On average, we we pay in taxes $25,000 per student per year. $25,000! Of course, it varies by state and school district, but any way you slice it, it's a big chunk of money. Today, I'm compelled to share my feelings about what's going on in our independent schools. Those 1,900 schools in particular that belong to the National Association of Independent Schools. These are the alternative schools to woke, corrupted public schools. But I'm sorry to say that wokeness has infected our independent private schools, making them unlikely viable alternatives to the radical wokeness happening in the public school system. Now, the lesson may be to stay where you are and join other parents in taking control of your school board and the system's curriculums and policies. But in many cases, by the time you get any leverage over the woke school boards, your child has likely moved on. Nevertheless, I appreciate, applaud, and support parent organizations that have taken on the good fight and are making tremendous strides in turning back the tide of destructive wokeism. Now, before I go any further, I need to alert you that some of the material I'm about to present is adult material. So if you have youngsters around you, you may want to go to a private space to hear what I'm about to play. I also need to alert you that some of this material may send your blood pressure into the danger zone. So if your BP meds are due, if your blood pressure medications are due, please go take them now. Also, by the end of today's Frankly Daniel show, you should have no questions as to why here in Florida, parents are 100% behind Florida's new Parents' Rights in Education Law. The so-called progressive media, Democrats, and recently Disney, have slandered and libeled this Florida law as the don't-say-gay law. But if you take the time to read this 1,100-word law, you won't find the word gay 
or LGBTQ plus anywhere in it. The word gay is not in the legislation. Say it's banning a word that literally isn't even in the legislation. It's not even like they're misrepresenting the way the word's used. It's not even used in the bill. It's a, it's a fake narrative. It's a lie. But it's a lie because they have to lie because if they admitted what they were really for, sexualizing kindergartners and first graders, they know that would not fly with the public. That was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis speaking to the lies about Florida's new parental rights and education law. So, Governor, in short, what is this law about, and, and what do you have to say about Disney's apparent sudden wokeness? Well, this bill is about providing protection so that they know they can send their young kids to school without them being sexualized, without a school telling a young girl, for example, that she may really be a boy. And if schools are trying to do things that impact uh, the health and well-being of the kids and they're, they're undertaking certain services, that parents have a right to know that and provide consent for it. So this is a real bill that empowers parents, it protects our kids, and for a company like Disney uh, to say that they, this bill should have never passed, they weren't saying anything when this was going through the House. They only started doing this because the mob, the woke mob came after them. But put that aside, uh, for them to say that them as a California-based company are going to work to take those California values and overturn a law that was duly enacted and is supported by a strong majority of Floridians. They don't run this state. Uh, they will never run this state as long as I'm governor. Thank you, Governor. Now, as we go along today, I'm going to get very specific about the language of this to-the-point law, and you'll be amazed just how ridiculously common sense it is. But for now, let me, let me tell you that it puts limits on discussion and indoctrination of children in pre-kindergarten, pre-K, pre-kindergarten through third grade on topics such as gender identity, gender fluidity, gender expression, gender queer, gender dysphoria, gender affirmation, gender affirming surgery, puberty blocking hormones, transgenderism, and multiple sexual orientation preferences of adults including gay, bisexual, non-binary, and drag queens. I mean, really, does a, a pre-K child need to know about drag queens? Do they really need to understand bisexualism? Uh, the following clips are from a nearly hour-long training workshop at the National Association of Independent Schools flagship conference in 2020. Note, this was the association's really big annual national conference, and it was held just two years ago. Thanks to the efforts of Undercover Mother, I have these audio clips to share with you today. Undercover Mother is an organization of undercover parents who attend events like this one to witness and gather evidence as to what the heck the woke are up to. I was going to say something other than heck, but... We'll just go with heck for now. And this topic today is, is a humdinger. If these revelations don't make you sit up and listen, then take your pulse, please, and get your hearing checked. These clips feature a series of discussions, national discussions at this conference, on how to talk to kids about gender, sexuality, and identity, including how to talk to kids in pre-K, yes, pre-kindergarten, 
about their bodies, about their penises and vaginas, and do they feel like a boy or a girl, or just the opposite? Talk about a Head Start program, please already. You'd think that teaching pre-K phonics is only so that these woke schools and teachers can get post-toddlers to enunciate vagina as a three-syllable word. Private schools across the country are training teachers to expose kids as young as four years old to sexually explicit content, and they're doing this in secrecy without parents' knowledge, as directed by the National Association of Independent Schools as part of their Queer Inclusive Curriculum. That's the title of it, Queer Inclusive Curriculum. You see, when, when the woke came for our children with critical race thinking, they had lots of other wokeness on their agenda. The lethal combination of Florida's new parental rights and education and Disney's swing to the woke lift have brought issues of gender identity and sexual orientation education into sharp, eye-piercing focus here in Florida. Now, the National Association of Independent Schools, their documents and teaching training materials on these topics are supplied to 1,900 private schools nationwide, which under the guise of being queer and LGBTQ plus inclusive, they urge the use of graphic sexual material in classes starting at pre-kindergarten, yes, pre-K, and all the way through eighth grade. And I mean graphic. The 2020 conference covered how to teach sex, sexuality, and gender identity to pre-K through grade 5. Now, here's the first clip, and again, these are explicit and remember. These are from 2020, their national workshop. With the younger children starting in pre-K, we talk about their bodies, about the parts that they were born with, um, about penises and vaginas and whether that makes somebody a boy or a girl, but also their feelings. What do they feel like inside? Do they feel like a boy or a girl? What does their head say? Does their head and their heart and their body match up? Now, I'm going to repeat this verbatim because I want to make sure that you've heard every word. Mind you, this starts in pre-kindergarten. Quote, starting in pre-K, we talk about their bodies, the parts they were born with, about penises and vaginas, and whether they make someone a boy or a girl, but also their feelings. What do they feel like inside? Do they feel like a boy or a girl? What does their head say? Does their heart and their body match up? If I found out this garbage was being spooned and fed to my four-year-old, and without my knowledge, I'd be jumping off furniture at home, and soon furniture at this school. And I can assure you that I'd be late behind my wife's course of action on this issue. But here's the dirty secret. Parents aren't informed. In fact, NAIS schools have a standard parent school enrollment contract that legally tells parents that when it comes to a student's desire to express themselves as transgender, the school is under no obligation to inform the parents. Furthermore, if parents interfere with the student's right to declare their gender identity as something other than what parents prefer, 
the student will be discharged and no longer be a student at their institution. Now, in February 16 of 2022, an article written by Emma Jo Morris and published on Breitbart News, Ms. Morris wrote, quote, NAIS member private schools across America are including provisions in enrollment contracts prohibiting parents from voicing strong disagreement with school policy or curricula under threat of expulsion, and so the identities of the mothers speaking to her have been withheld due to fear of retribution. She's talking about the mother she interviewed for this article. She goes on to write, Parents have also been barred by many NAIS accredited schools across the country from involvement in or knowledge of their child's gender identity. An enrollment contract reviewed by Breitbart News explicitly states that parent guardian approval will not be a prerequisite for respecting a student's gender identity. The school shall accept a gender identity that each student asserts. There is no medical or mental health diagnosis or treatment threshold that students must meet in order to have their gender identity recognized and respected. Students ready to socially transition may initiate a process to change their name, pronoun, attire, and access to preferred activities and facilities. The school will work with the parent or guardian of a student whenever possible and appropriate. But you should understand and agree that you as a parent or guardian, approval will not be a prerequisite for respecting a student's gender identity. So says the enrollment contracts. Now, don't you find this outrageous? So as a parent, what is your role in educating your children to sex as biology even? And when do you think it's appropriate to start this process? At what age does the White House think that students should be taught about sexual orientation and gender identity? We have spoken to uh, the Don't Say Gay bill in the past. Uh, what we think it's a reflection of is politicians in Florida propagating misinformed, hateful policies that do n absolutely nothing to address uh, the real issues. That was Peter Ducey of Fox News asking Tokyo Rose, or Jen Psaki, about age appropriateness. So what are the real issues? Jen, well, it's about time to hear from Kamala or Kamala or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to... Take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back, because every day it's time to come back and hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on The Frankly Daniels Show, and I'm not kidding. You've been in that situation. The person next to you is sniffling, or worse yet, <coughs> coughing. Flu, cold, and coronaviruses are everywhere. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to reduce these threats with an invisible mask as an additional layer of protection? Sold by hundreds of pharmacists and medical doctors, our American-made povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray, Cofix Rx, lasts for hours deactivating viruses and germs while protecting you from airborne pathogens that make us sick. America Out Loud listeners get 20% off. 
Use Cofix RX while in large groups, while traveling, or for any other type of high-risk situation as an additional layer of protection to help reduce your likelihood of catching a cold, the flu, or SARS-CoV-2 viruses. Right now, America Out Loud listeners get 20% off of all orders. Click our banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, from world and political news to societal and cultural stories, six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both on the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. So what are the real issues, the ones we've been talking about regarding preschoolers and gender identity? Do pre-kindergartners, do they attempt suicide if they're not informed about their gender identity? Is there any substantive research that clearly demonstrates that if you don't start talking about penises and vaginas at an immediate post-toddler age, while these children are still learning the very basics about communication, that somehow they go throughout life dysfunctional and eventually become victims of suicide. By the way, there's no such confirmatory research. So what are the real issues? Are preschoolers being denied their civil rights? By the way, our very woke Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, has promised to sue Governor DeSantis if parents begin to complain that their children's civil rights are being violated by Florida's new parental rights and education law. <laughs> Police already. I have a question for you to be thinking about later on in the show. Here's the question. What percentage of Americans are either gay or transgender? Do you know? Um, what percentage of Americans do you think are gay or transgender? Hold that thought. Well, we'll come back to it. 
it must be millions upon millions. And and just think, we're, we're just discovering all these preschoolers who must be future transgender Americans. Or why else would radical progressives be pushing these these issues down our throats and threatening and threatening us every day with lawsuits and cancel culture and just about every other uh, thing that they can eviscerate our moral and ethical stands on these particular issues? Or is this just another wedge issue to promote divisiveness and chaos? And to think that we're somewhere around 31st or 32nd in the world in mathematics and at the fourth grade level and at the eighth grade testing level, we have been losing ground every year in those standings, much less that we're only about eighth or ninth in reading comprehension at those particular uh, waypoints, fourth grade and eighth grade, and things, things are getting worse. They're not getting better. They're, it's, it's a very dark story, but I, I won't get caught up in that. Well, let's move to the next clip from the Gender Identity Workshop presentation at the 2020 National Association of Independent Schools Annual Conference. But here's the first clip again. With the younger children starting in pre-K, we talk about their bodies, about the parts that they were born with, um, about penises and vaginas and whether that makes somebody a boy or a girl, but also their feelings. What do they feel like inside? Do they feel like a boy or a girl? What does their head say? Does their head and their heart and their body match up? This next clip is a gender studies consultant who shares her early on experience in advocating for gender and sexual orientation indoctrination of pre-kindergartners. There are missteps where we have to take a step back and refine. I'm going to share one of my missteps. Um, when I started my first year teaching with the health and wellness team, I had been given a title to a book, so I went to our school library to pull it. And I pulled it thinking I had the right one. I didn't. Um, and I read through, I'm like, this is really progressive stuff. But it was my first year, so I'm like, okay, we're just super progressive. So I went in there guns blazing, and I just went for it. And I ended up talking about the vulva and the labia with pre-cares. And it was just one of those moments. Everybody's looking in horror, and I'm like, oh, no, I made a really big mistake. And I share that with you because it's not perfect, right? It's a practice. So be kind to yourselves when you're, like, delving into this stuff. She relates how she once drew the wrong book at the library and accidentally ended up talking to children in pre-K about the vulva and the labia. As they reacted in horror, stressing that teachers should be kind to yourself in instances of error. Oh, let's go over this again. Quote, it was my first year, so I was like, okay, you're just super progressive. So I went in, went in there guns blazing, and I just went for it. And I ended up talking about the vulva and the labia with pre-Kers. And it was just one of those moments, everybody's looking in horror, and I'm like, oh, oh, I made a really big mistake. And I share that with you because it's not perfect, right? It's a practice. So be kind to yourself when you're delving into this stuff. I would call it crap, but it's okay if you call it stuff for now. By second grade, we move on explicitly to gender identity and talk about it again in terms of your head and your heart and your body parts matching up. And does that work for you? 
What happens if it doesn't? What are the other parts of you that have to do with your gender identity? And what are the parts of you that don't? And the kids draw wonderful self-portraits again, um, but dealing with all aspects of their identity, including specifically their gender identity. Again, this isn't a small audience these speakers are addressing. This is the National Association of Independent Schools. It's their national conference. They have nearly 2,000 schools as part of this membership. This speaker, this seven-year-old children is what she's talking about in the second grade, between the first and second grade. The educator leading this lecture, she explains, ought to be, that children ought to be taught about their gender identity in terms of your head and your heart and your body parts matching up. And what if it doesn't? L let me ask you if you've ever asked yourself, much less your spouse, and even much less if you've ever asked your children or grandchildren, what if their hearts and body parts don't match up? Oh yes, fam families are families, and eventually we all have members who may be in conflict with our way of thinking. But do, do you or do they routinely go into detail with a four-year-old, particularly if it's your four-year-old? Starting in fifth grade, we start using the words for that, that sex is what you were born with. It's external and internal genitalia. It's hormones and chromosomes. Um, it, that's something that you can only change with a whole lot of effort. It's internal and external genitalia. It's hormones and chromosomes. It's something, it's something, it's something you can only change with a whole lot of effort. We're talking with a fifth grader in a class and telling them they can defy biology, but it's going to take a whole lot of effort. She doesn't only mean hormonally and surgically, but importantly, psychologically and sociologically. You can change the public's perceptions of who you are. So the woke are desperately trying to sway public opinion, starting at pre-K, one child at a time. Now, here's a rhetorical question. If you were the last person on Earth, and you decided you were transgender, what would you do about it? Would it matter? So how much of transgenderism is a social construct? Clearly, it, it isn't all social. But social does influence it. And some have called what's going on in our high schools with the rush to transgender expression, especially among teen girls, is largely the part of a social contagion. Um, gender identity is how you feel inside. It's what you feel like in your heart and in your head, just like the language that we used when they were younger. But it's something personal. It's something that's unique to you. It's something that you get to decide. Gender identity is how you feel inside. It's what you feel like in your heart and in your head. Just like the language we used when they were younger. But it's something that's personal. It's something that's unique to you. It's something that you get to decide. What? They also make you believe that you're special? Even beyond special? Let me ask you, what's special about being transgender? I've never thought that I was special for being heterosexual, although I am a pretty cool guy. But today's primary school educators would lead you to believe that you're a hero for standing up to all the misunderstanding, all the misinformation, and lies about who you really are, 
and that you're a crusader for millions and millions of people just like you. I'll come back to just how many millions and millions of Americans aren't just like these scenarios. Gender expression is what you share with the world, how you dress, how you act, what you're interested in, what you put out there. And that, again, is your choice. It's something that you can change from day to day. It's completely up to you. Gender expression is what you decide to share with the world, how you dress, how you act, what you persisted in, what you put out there. And that, again, is your choice. It's something you can change from day to day. It's entirely up to you. So, purple hair today with high heels, a scarf, and a neck tattoo? And tomorrow, butch pants, a beard, and a tight t-shirt. The more attention you can draw to yourself, the more people will be forced to notice how truly unique and special you are. You wear your gender expression as a loud badge of honor and social martyrdom. But if you're not a member of the LGBTQ plus community in good standing, then you have to dress and act like the rest of America. What a drag. Uh, no queen pun intended. After all, it's all about you. Sexual orientation is who you are emotionally and physically attracted to. That's how we talk about it with the kids and introduce it and introduce them to it. Fifth grade is our big year. It's um, not that all of them aren't, um, but we do the reproductive system um, and puberty. Um, the We talk about gender identity specifically with the gender unicorn this time talking about things as a continuum. Fifth grade is our busier time of the year. We do the reproductive system and puberty. We talk about gender identity using the gender unicorn. Look that term up, gender unicorn. What a surprise. Um, for gender identity and expression, sex assigned at birth, who you're physically attracted to and who you're emotionally attracted to. So all those aspects of gender identity and sexuality. And we do read a book. It, the kids are like, you're reading us a storybook? We're in fifth grade. Um, but it does a lovely job of talking about gender identity and opens up a wonderful conversation. Now, 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 now. Yes, I'm a stuffy old crank. But I'm not beyond understanding that this is our world today. These subjects are going to come up, especially with all the media companies throwing all in on gender and sexual orientation plots and characters. Sooner or later, it will come up if it hasn't already, at home or more likely in school peer groups, or perhaps even in first grade. I firmly believe that all individuals identifying as gender fluid, transgender, or gay should never, ever be discriminated against in any way. They shouldn't be bullied, demeaned, or shunned. They are members of the human race, and they are also Americans. But the critical questions remain. Who has the right to decide who teaches our children these concepts, and when is this subject matter age-appropriate? Our children today, especially teenagers, have never been more subjected to the massive information and advertising assaults they're bombarded with every hour of the day. Smartphones have enriched our children's lives while placing them at risk for lifelong psychological pathologies. Haven't we all experienced the trauma of growing up and having to figure out who we are relative to ourselves, to others, and, and God or some higher power? Who are we and why are we here? 
As a preschool teacher, a drag king, and as a member of the LGBTQ community, how do I feel about the new legislations for like the don't say gay bill? I don't care what the government tells me to do. I am going to do what I think is best for the health and safety of my kids. As a teacher, a member of the LGBTQ community, and a drag queen, how do I feel about the new legislation for the Don't Say Gay Bill? I don't care what the government tells me to do. I'm going to do what I think is best for the health and safety of my kids. Excuse me, but did I hear you say you're going to do what you think is in the best interest for your kids? Excuse me, did you really say your kids? Who put you in charge of our kids? I don't remember anyone relinquishing custody of their children to a teacher, a member of the LGBTQ community, and a drag queen. The progressive radicals demand that our children not only accept adult concepts like transgenderism and the strange world of adult sexual orientations, but to embrace these concepts as normal and established patterns of human behavior. No, I'm not casting aspersions on the LGBTQ community. Instead, I'm speaking as a statistician. The true percentages of Americans who identify as transgender or gay are so small that the occurrences of these categories hardly make them a normal population category. Do aberrations happen in our genetic makeup? Well, of course they do. They do all the time. My hair and beard were well on their way to turning snow white by the time I was 40 years old. Not normal. But my genetics had everything to do with this color change. Some would say this was a double sign of my white privilege. Just joking, of course. No one has been able to definitively measure how many transgender or gay people identify as transgender or gay. When a federally funded survey organization called YouGov, Y-O-U-Gov, G-O-V, dot com, recently asked the American public how many people in America identify as transgender, their response was 26%. 26%, unbelievable. In your own experience, do you believe one quarter of the people you've met day in and day out are transgender? Well, how would you know? The determination of transgenderism is entirely subjective. There's no quantitative or medical test you can take to determine if you're a transgender individual or that if you have transgender tendencies. Of course, you can't prove a negative in these circumstances either. No one can prove an individual isn't transgender. Perhaps someday we'll have the genetics down on such factors, but as of today, one's gender identity as transgender is a self-reportedly subjective measure. How about gay? You'd expect the survey's estimate on, on how many people identify as gay would be higher than the number of transgender people. And it was. But, but not by much. They responded they believe 30% of Americans identified as gay. Now, for clarity, transgender and gay are mutually exclusive. In other words, gay people don't identify as transgender and vice versa. I don't expect this is clear to all those that responded in this particular survey, and it was a very large survey. But if they did know these are exclusive categories, this means that the general public 
believes that half of America is comprised of gay and transgender citizens. So do you want to know the real best estimates of gay and transgender people in America? Some of the best survey work on transgenderism over the last five years says that approximately 0.6%, just over one half of a percent of Americans are transgender. 0.6, not 26%. And as for gay Americans, the estimates are 3%. Not 30%, 3%. But to hear the White House and Joe Biden's radical gender and sexual orientation fanatics, you'd think there are tens of millions being discriminated against because of their identification as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. I believe Florida's parental rights and education law is a model law, and therefore I expect it will be picked up by legislatures in conservative states and enacted in whole or modified to meet each state's specific education laws. Now, several states have already passed the same worded legislation in the House chambers of these states, and these bills sit in their Senates and are expected to pass very soon. Governors in these states have already agreed to sign them into law. In total, the Florida law is less than 1,100 words, and I have fitted the entire text of this law on a three-page Word document, double-spaced in 12-point aerial font. There's there's no mystery behind this bill. It's a short and to-the-point law. These are the provisions in the law. There are no other provisions in the law. These are the provisions. First, the school district procedures may not prohibit parents from accessing any of their students' education and health records created, maintained, or used by the school district. That's just one one of the tenets. Second, procedures must reinforce, school district procedures, that is, must reinforce the fundamental rights of parents to make decisions regarding the upbringing and control of their children by requiring school district personnel to encourage a student to discuss issues relating to his or her well-being with his or her parent to facilitate discussion of the issue with the parent. Number three, a school district may not adopt procedures or student support forms that prohibit school district personnel from notifying a parent about his or her student's mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being, or a change in related services or monitoring, or that encourage or have the effect of encouraging a student to withhold from the parent such information. So far, these are pretty common sense things, don't you think? But you have to wonder why they had to put them in law, because there's been A lot of breaches gone on with all three of these first things. Number four, school districts must adopt procedures for notifying a student's parent if there is a change in student services or monitoring related to the student's mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being, and the school's ability to provide for a safe and supportive learning environment for the student. Next up, Classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation 
or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through third grade or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. That's the one everybody's talking about. It says nothing about don't say gay in that. Next, student support service trainings developed or provided by a school district to school district personnel must adhere to student services guidelines, standards, and frameworks established by the Department of Education. Now, the progressive left hates this clause more than all the rest of them in there because it means you can't sneak in workshops to train teachers on how to inculcate gender identity and sexual orientation training in these grades in question. Next up, at the beginning of the school year, each school district shall notify parents of each health care service offered at their student's school and the option to withhold consent or decline any specific service. Parental consent to a health care service does not waive the parent's right to access his or her student's educational or health records or to be notified about a change in his or her student's services or monitoring as provided by this paragraph. I'm sure you can guess what this is about. This is about not having teachers go ahead and somehow encourage students who may want to experiment in this transgender arena and then have them through health services begin to use puberty blockers or other kinds of services that that information is withheld from the parent. This stuff is going on too, and perhaps next week I'd like to go back to each one of these and tell you examples of why each of these clauses have come in. Uh, They didn't just pull these out of the air. This is meant to blunt all the stuff that's going on, all the assaults on kids that are going on every day in public schools. Not to mention the other 1,900 uh, uh, national independent uh, schools. This next one's a real kicker. This has been going on for a long time, and it's very sinister. It reads, before administering a student well-being questionnaire or health screening form to a student in kindergarten through third grade, the school district must provide the questionnaire or health screening form to the parent and obtain the permission of the parent. I simply have to come back to this particular clause next week. This has been so abused by woke school districts in handing out questionnaires, establishing these kids don't know anything about gender identity, and then using that as a basis to substantiate why they need to teach it, why they need consulting groups to come in, and why they've been using COVID money as this is some kind of public health crisis. The final point in this law reads, each school district shall adopt procedures for a parent to notify the principal or his or her designee regarding concerns under this paragraph at his or her student's school and the process for resolving those concerns within seven calendar days after notification by the parent. Now, the last three sections of this have to do with that particular process, how, how quickly you have to get back, what has to be in writing, things like that. That's the entire law. That's it. That's the whole law. As many of you know, I think the last couple years have really revealed uh, to parents uh, that uh, they are being ignored increasingly across our country when it comes to their kids' education. Uh, We have seen uh, curriculum 
embedded uh, for very, very young children, uh, classroom materials about sexuality and woke gender ideology. We've seen libraries that have clearly inappropriate uh, pornographic materials for, for very young kids. Uh, and we've seen services that were given to students without the consent or even knowledge of their parents across the country. And we, unfortunately, that's happened here in the state of Florida. You're going to hear from some parents uh, where that has happened. Now, in Florida, we found at least six school districts that had policies to cut parents out of decisions regarding their child's well-being and to shield them from knowing about various forms of mental health services, Broward, Hillsborough, Miami-Dade, Palm Beach, Sarasota, and Volusia counties. Martin County also had a gender transition plan that can be implemented without the parents' consent. That was Governor Ron DeSantis, America's parents' governor. There's so much more to say about the heated battles going on in the trenches of school board meetings and between parents standing tall for their children's innocence and for their proper education. This is a battle that must be won. After all, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, and corrupting a young, growing mind is nothing short of evil. I'll be diligently working to see Ron DeSantis re-elected this November 8th. We must make it morning in America again. We must make America great again. Thank you for joining me today. I will be back next weekend. My name is Daniel Francis Baranowski, and you have been listening to The Frankly Daniel Show.